So we have come to our last message on the life of a man named Joseph. This is our tenth and final installment. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, when last I preached, we spoke on Jacob and his legacy. And today, we shall finish with Joseph and his legacy. Joseph. A faith for life and death. I want to read to you and try desperately to get you to focus on time. We are creatures of time. Though I always fight with some cultures that they are slaves of time. I hate being a slave of time. Time is to serve my purpose, not me to serve its purpose. Nonetheless, we are creatures of time. How do you grasp time when all we can do is 24 hours at a day and we spend at least eight of that sleeping? It's hard to deal with time. We're going to read. We're going to read a few verses. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 50. We're going to go to Exodus. We're going to go to Joshua. And we'll finish in the book of Hebrews. We're not going to read a lot. It's not a lot. Just a couple of verses here and there. But I want to get you to understand time as we focus on the life of this man, Joseph. Genesis chapter 50, where we were read to, we just want to remember a couple of verses out of that passage. Genesis 50, verse 24 and 25. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from the land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. We have come to the end of Joseph. We began a very passionate story, I say one of the greatest stories in the Bible, with a young man, H. 17. Loved by his father. Envied and hated by his brothers. At the age of 17, he was sold as a slave. And for the next about 13 years, he spent his life in misery. At the age of 30... He becomes prime minister, second only to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. The great, powerful land of Egypt of his days. At the age of 39, he reconnects with his brothers. If you remember the story. He then meets again his father. 
and he invites the whole family to come live in Egypt. For 17 more years, Jacob stayed alive. And then he dies. We now place Joseph approximately at the age of 57, two Sundays ago, when Jacob died. Somewhere, give or take, he's now 57 years old. And then we read today, beginning at verse 22, that he lived to the age of 110. There is a slot between verse 21 and verse 22 of more or less 50 years of just regular, mundane, day in and day out life. I am 50 years old. And let me tell you, that's hard to conceive for me. 50 years that we know nothing about. Must have been just enjoying life in the land of Goshen for the people of Israel, for the Hebrews, for the family of Joseph. That's what we have now read. 110 years are about to pass. The Hebrews are living in Egypt. And Joseph finishes his life and says, I am going to die. But God is going to come and care for you, visit you. And when he does, he said, take my bones. And when you leave, remember to take my bones with you. Okay. Let's grasp time. Let's read in the book of Exodus chapter 13. Verse 19. It simply says this. And Moses. Exodus 13.19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear saying. God shall surely take care of you. And you shall carry my bones from here with you. Now, folks, you got to grasp what's about to be, what's happening. 400 years have passed, give or take, since Joseph died. The Hebrews have gone from being sheltered, protected, loved, and cared for in the land of Goshen... To the rising of a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And to creating out of the Hebrews slaves. 400 years have passed. The exodus has taken place. You've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. You know what happened. The ten plagues, the opening of the Red Sea, the whole bit. And they're about to leave Egypt. And Moses is going to carry out the promise to take the bones of Joseph with him. Now if you would please follow me to the book of Joshua. That is the sixth book in the Old Testament. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Chapter 24. 
in Joshua chapter 24, then bones come back up again. Joshua 24, verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who served Joshua, and had known all the deeds of the land which he had done for Israel. Verse 32. Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem. And the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money. About, give or take, more than 40 years have passed since Moses left Egypt. We're talking 440 years minimum have passed since Joseph said, I am going to die. God is going to visit you. And when he does, take my bones out of here. 440 years have passed, give or take. Let me put that into perspective. 440 years ago, there was no Great Britain. You have to wait till about uh, 1603 when King James VI of Scotland becomes King James I of England, Ireland, and Wales and the unification of Great Britain. It is 1611 when we are given what we know today as the King James Bible which unified the English language. Folks, can you grasp the idea of how long ago that was? That's a long time. Yet we read it as if it was just, you know, a passing in the night. We read from one verse to the next, 110 years have gone by. We read 13 chapters, we're 400 years ahead. Read a few more chapters and we're now 440 years ahead and we make it sound like, you know, that was just yesterday. And we struggle to get to 80. Time. I did not plan on Bob being here. I didn't plan necessarily on Judith being here to read her beautiful poems that she has. Yet it all sort of just kind of came together to speak on one subject. Heaven. You see, Jacob knew he was dying. Joseph knew he was dying. And at the end, Joseph simply says, when it's time to leave, don't you dare leave me here. Yet he promised them he would leave. Now get, get a hold of what Jacob, uh, Joseph says. He says, I am going to die. God is going to visit you. And when you leave, why would they leave? They were living in the zenith, in the height of, of safety, of comfort, of providence, of, sa of salvation. Why would they want to leave Goshen 
It was the best of the land of Egypt. No one was thinking of going anywhere. But Joseph knew. You will leave. And when you leave, when God visits you to leave, take my bones with you. The Bible, God's Word, is this perfect revelation of Himself, of His ways to mankind. It is complete, lacking nothing. It is perfect without error, defect, or deficiency. It is sufficient to govern every principle for living in every relationship between man and man and man and God. It is balanced in its teaching for this life, for this world, and that which is to come. It is man, man's perception and emphasis sometimes do not always reflect the balance that Scripture has. We either go one way or the other, or we just forget to balance it all out equally. We sometimes lose focus. There are two extremes in the life of the church, in the life of biblical studies. There is theology or doctrine, and then there is practice and life. And sometimes, most of the times, the gulf between doctrine and practice is so wide that the two seem to be irreconcilable. Life is about family, it's about business, it's about ethics. And um, where does doctrine fit in? As a matter of fact, sometimes that kind of contradiction or just lack of making it work is what causes people to reject the faith. And really, it's the history of Europe. Too much doctrine, not enough practice. There was a time when emphasis was placed in systematic theology and not in the practical theology. Now, I love systematic theology. If you know me, you know I do. If you come to the, to the pastor's study on Tuesday at 6.30 or the one on Thursdays at 1.30, you'll know that we will teach doctrine. But you'll also know I will try desperately to keep it united with the day-to-day -day life. Because doctrine, apart from moral content, has no value. Do you understand? What good is it to learn doctrine? To say, I know, when you don't know how to walk. To walk. Somewhere along the line, some have been taught, and some have come to think that if I can just get the right doctrine, 
then I will be alright. And the answer is, no, if you walk in the Spirit, you will be alright. If you don't have the doctrine, when you get to heaven, God will set us all straight. But to walk in the Spirit and to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that is Christian living. Not knowing the right doctrine. Doctrine devoid of moral content is useless. So faith is best learned as we study the life of the heroes of the faith. And as you look at their lives and how they're intertwined with their faith, their problems, how they solved them, how they dealt with them, then we learn doctrine. Then we learn how to live. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but what a story the life of Joseph has been. I mean, did we get doctrine? I don't know how much doctrine we looked at. But I'll tell you what we did look at. We looked at jealousy, hatred, injustice, falsehood, temptation, false accusation, disappointments, bitterness, delay, loneliness, rejection. We saw God's provisions. We saw miraculous interventions. Forgiveness. Restoration and salvation. And I can stick all of those somewhere in a systematic theological study. But I can understand them right quick when I see them in the life of a man and how he dealt with it. So by the example to Joseph, we are instructed on how to deal with those and other issues of life. And to be joyful and victorious in them. Okay, that was just the introduction. Okay, ready for point one? Let's pray. Father, we need to learn how to live. How to apply the doctrines of the faith. Oh, how we need you, Father, to help us make it practical, make it understandable. Guide us even this morning as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a present need. The scripture brings us to it. Life as you and I are living it today brings us to it. And it is the need to look into the future. My word. I sit every day listening to the news, to the talk shows, uh, the radio hosts speaking on economy and the situation of the governments and how their own uh, archives are doing and banks and private industry and my word, it just scares the daylights out of me. Because you see, I have a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old, and I think, what awaits them? What awaits them? What awaits your grandchildren? Your children? What is happening? We need to look beyond this life, folks. 
we need to ask, what about the future? Because what Jacob and Joseph remind us today is we are not going to be here forever. Joseph said to his brothers, I am going to die. But in that same breath he said, but God is going to visit you. The main point really is drawn out of that verse 24 in chapter 50 of Genesis. Joseph, in his last moment, says, I am going to die. As great as Joseph was, folks, and let me tell you, comparatively speaking, as you compare him to Jesus, few men were as great as Joseph. And as great as Joseph was, his time was up. And he knows it. And he did die. And in that verse he says, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you. What is the heritage that we are leaving our children, our grandchildren? He surely will take care of you. When we depart, God continues to visit our families, folks. When we leave, God will continue the work. If He does not return, if this doesn't all come to an end, He will continue to visit. Someone said, God buries His workmen, but He continues His work. And there are many who have gone before us, who have left behind tremendous testimonies of the hand of God, the power of God, the miracles of God. But they have gone ahead, and God has visited us. And we are the ones who leave behind the stories, the writings, the miracles, the interventions, the God moments. You see, God did visit after Joseph died. God visited in the form of a man named Moses. He visited in the form of a man named Joshua. The judges, Samuel, David, Esther, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. You get my drift. God continued to visit. And may I just remind us, that as long as the Lord tarries, He will continue to visit. He will continue to visit. And if something holds my heart together, if there is something that holds my desperateness together, and my idea of giving up as to what I look at this world, and what is happening is the fact that I know that after I die, God will visit my children. And if there are, He will visit my grandchildren. And if there are, He will visit my great-grandchildren. Because God will continue to visit. What Joseph is remembered for is very interesting. Would you please look in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 
In Hebrews, that famous chapter 11, is a list of heroes. You know, Batman, Robin, The Flash. You know, no, wrong heroes. These are called the heroes of the faith. And in that list, there is a man named Joseph. And there we are reminded of what these men were known for. What great feats they did of faith. And in that, we are not told about his dreams. His great dreams, which we have. Nor his battle with temptation or his lack of hate. His ability to love and forgive His ability to not be bitter or his patience as he waited on God. No. We weren't told of his abilities to interpret dreams or even his great deliverance of the people of his family of the Hebrews. No. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 22. Hebrews 11.22 speaks of the man Joseph. This is what it says. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. You know what he what what he is remembered for? He is remembered for saying, "I'm going to die, but God is going to visit you. He's going to yet do a great work." He made mention of the Exodus when there was no need for an Exodus. He made mention of the Exodus when there was no reason for an Exodus. They were living high on the hog. Great pensions, living on the coast of the Mediterranean, on the green acres of the River Nile. They all had homes with swimming pools, two-car garages, I mean, double chariots, Chinese restaurants galore. I mean, they were living the good life. Why would they consider leaving? I mean, who's thinking about tomorrow when today I'm having so much fun? But Joseph reminded them, I'm going to die. And you will be visited by God. And so he gave orders concerning his bones. So at the time he uttered this, made no sense. But see, he was projecting to his family, to his children, to his grandchildren. There is a God in heaven. And he will continue to do the work in you. And he will continue to move forward. There's some simple lessons worth learning here. Perhaps the first one is just don't get too attached. 
Don't get too attached. Because you will someday die. Don't get too attached. God will continue to visit the living. So work toward remembering, reminding them God is alive and He will continue to visit. If there's anything we can accuse the church of today, this church, this church by some theologians called the Church of Laodicea, if there's something we can accuse this church of is living too much for this life. Too much of our efforts are put in this land. Too much of our time, of our investments and our dedications are for the here and the now. And we seem to forget that when we are buried, God will continue His work. We forget we're going to die. And we get to take nothing with us. Nothing. But may I tell you that scripture says you can send it ahead? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heaven. The song says, Heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. Oh, how I want to see His face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I really wonder if we are conscious of that. I sometimes notice how hard we fight to stay when we keep talking about going. Jesus said to us, I go to prepare a place for you. He's doing the preparation. He's thinking of you. He's getting things ready for your arrival. And we keep digging deeper and putting roots further down as if we're never leaving. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Do you, do you hear in the voice of Jesus, He's looking forward to your arrival? I mean, He has it ready. He's got your... Mansion in the sky or your flat. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you want to receive. Whether you want an individual pool or a community, that's fine. Whichever one. He's waiting for you. He's got the table set. 
And we keep forgetting where we're going. And all we do is concentrate on where we are. We must hold lightly, loosely, to the things of this world. As someone said to me a thousand years ago, all right, maybe 30 years ago, wear loosely the garment of materialism. Joseph, remember Joseph, he lost his father's coat, the coat of many colors, the colorful garment. He lost that coat. And if you remember, he lost his servant's coat at the hands of Potiphar's wife. And I wonder if all of that didn't teach him to hold loosely to his prime minister's coat. Hold it loosely. Because when it's time to shed it, Just let go. Because heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. So let's conclude. Now I wrote down a hundred. Because there's children up there. And a couple here. But really that's uh, being really generous. A hundred years from now, we'll all be gone in this room in this building there will be none of us folks only heaven matters for the Christian do you realize that? only heaven matters heaven heaven is the place of the no mores That's what you're looking forward to. The no mores. No more separation. No more crying. No more pain. No more sickness. No more death. No more sorrow. Uh, I was talking to someone just yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, we were talking. You know, if when I get to heaven, God gives me the job of cleaning the streets, that's fine with me. Those are made of gold. Folks, Jesus is coming again. And oh, what a great visit that will be. And if it happens in my lifetime, great. But if it doesn't, I must prepare my loved ones and say to them, God will visit you just as he visited me. Folks, that's what matters. That's what we prepare for. So, are you prepared to be with him? Because Joseph tells us, you're going to die. That's not a question. Last survey taken among all 100% will die. 
That's just a bare fact. That's just one of those businesses that never ends. I want to finish with a small illustration. Many years ago, when I was, um, I was 40 years old, I went to Colombia. hadn't been there in a long time. And in my visit, I met a lady. I'd only heard her name. I'd only heard about her. And depending who talked to me about her, I heard all kinds of things. Her name was Estela. Now Estela, and you know it's really hard for you to figure out my life. So just take the story, don't try to fit it somewhere. It gets really complicated. Stella was my father's first wife. After he left my mom when he found out she was pregnant. That was only his first, he had others after that. And uh, I was brought into this house to meet Estela. I'm not really sure why they wanted me to meet her, but apparently she wanted to meet me. And um, we drove up to this small house that my aunt had, and I got out, walked in through the front door, there was a small living area, and there was a woman there, where I had no idea what she was. Now folks, you know what it feels like to step into a room? I mean, has this ever happened to you? I mean, you literally take a step into the room and someone just starts to cry. And that's kind of disheartening. Because you think, what I do? <laughs> what I do? Well, this lady Stella just broke out. I mean, I stepped through the doorway. She looked at me. I had no idea that was Estella, although I guess I could have guessed. And she, <laughs> and she started crying. Well, when she finally got a hold of herself, you know, they introduced her. This is Raphael. And she said, Oh, no one has to tell me that this is Raphael. She said, You look just like your father. And it just brought all kinds of memories into her mind. And I guess she must have loved my father, you know. And I guess she didn't really want to divorce him or something or whatever. She just started crying. She kept saying to me, You look just like your father. I can't believe it. I mean, you look just like your father. Do you know what the Bible says to us about Jesus and our encounter with him? 1 John chapter 3 says this, it has not appeared as of yet what we will be. But we know. That when He appears, we will be like Him. For we shall see Him just as He is. You know what I'm going to say to you when I see you in heaven? I'm going to go up to old Dave there. And as good looking as he is now, I'm going to say, Dave, you look just like my father. You look just like our father. Do you realize that? For we shall see him as he is. We will be like him, for we shall see. We're just going to look at each other and say, you look just like him. 
Because the genes of our Father are within us. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have asked God to have mercy on you, if you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and you have said to Him, God, come into my life, He has made you to be born again, to be born from above. He has put within you His DNA. His spiritual DNA. And when you step into the presence of Jesus, you are going to be just like Him. So folks, we are going to die. And I pray you are prepared for that day. And I'm not even talking about your bank account. Your retirement fund or your death and burial insurance. I mean, do you know Jesus Christ? And do you know that the day you see Him, you shall not be ashamed, you shall not be embarrassed, you shall not hide your face, but you shall look upon His face and He will make you to be just like Him. Do you know that for a fact? Are you trusting in religion, in I believe in God? Or are you trusting in the fact that He died on that cross? He shed that blood to forgive you of your sins. And you can say from the bottom of your heart, God, my sins have been forgiven. We finished the life of our friend Joseph. But we haven't finished ours yet. You get to keep writing in your book. You get to keep writing in your diary. I pray you make those last few entries really count. And remind us all that after you're gone, God is still going to continue to visit us. Let's stand as we pray.